You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. This is the Dan Patrick Show. He's Tony Baselli, former Jags offensive lineman. Tony Baselli was diagnosed with the coronavirus. You were going to do a PSA. What would you say? Yeah, I'd say this. It's real. The odds are that if you're my age or younger or even a little bit older and you're healthy, that, yeah, the odds are you're going to be okay. And it'll be a minor cold or flu and you'll never even go to the hospital. But there's a chance you're going to have, like me, and a chance even you're going to have worse than me. And if you want to roll those all the dice on your own life that's your business but now they time to think about other people bringing you the biggest guests and best interviews albert breer patriots cutting cody kessler means what i think it means they probably draft one they like stidham they give him a shot but they just kind of keep throwing darts at the dartboard broadcasting from the mercedes man cave this is dan patrick Hour two, Dan and the Danis, Dan Patrick Show on this Tuesday. Glad to have you on board. No matter how you're consuming this program, you're watching, you're listening, you're tweeting, you're emailing, all the above. Glad to have you on board. Spent some time with Peter King, NBC Sports last hour. Had some interesting thoughts on the virtual draft coming up. Thinks the commissioner will be at home. There will be some challenges, some hurdles for these teams because of modern technology that may not be so modern for some of these front office people. But we will have a virtual draft, and it looks like you'll have a combination of ESPN and the NFL Network with their talent collectively handling this year's draft. Damian Lillard of the Blazers will join us coming up next hour. We'll talk to him about virtual horse. Is he going to take part in that? The NFL confirms the virtual draft. NBA considering rapid testing process. We'll talk about that. The commissioner will hear from Adam Silver a little bit later on. And baseball's looking at an Arizona return. Bob Nightingale, who's been covering the sport for 40 years, he'll join us on what are the particulars here, the logistics of having everyone play in Arizona. It seems like it's almost impossible. And also, one thing that nobody's thinking about, or maybe they are, but not talking about yet, and that is you're going to ask these players to basically have isolation from their families for a couple of months in Arizona. I don't know if you can bring the families, but here's the other thing. The reason why they're looking at Arizona, Arizona's advantage is 10 spring training ballparks, and then you have the Diamondbacks. That's all within a 50-mile radius. Florida's spring training, those ballparks are spread out by as much as 220 miles. And if you're going to spring training, you just set up shop in Scottsdale and you can see as many games as you want. And in less than an hour, you can get to those ballparks. But we'll talk to Bob Nightingale about that possibility. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. You can watch on YouTube. Dot com slash The Dan Patrick Show and listen on 362 radio affiliates around the country and the Fox Sports Radio lineup. Poll question, McLovin, what did we go with today? Uh, the first hour was, do you think the NFL will have cybersecurity issues? 59% said yes. Yeah. Uh, if you want to change it up, by the way, at the end of last hour, we got really hit hard on Twitter about that Antonio Brown topic. Is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, I just pulled up the number. He's 35th all time in career yards, but he's, if he played two more seasons, he'd be top 10. So mm. uh, people are saying, no, he's not, but he seemed really close. Yeah. I, once again, you're not supposed to factor in off the field. 
the the NFL, the Hall of Fame is not supposed to, even though they did, I think, with Terrell Owens and they did that with Michael Irvin. They didn't do that with Lawrence Taylor. I, I think that they would probably do that with Antonio Brown, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. He was great. But I, I, I think he's borderline. I, I think at best he's borderline. Yeah, McLovin. The other one was Drew Brees. A lot of people are mad about Drew Brees that you mentioned. Okay, but if you have Brady and Aaron Rodgers, some you're not taking out Brady. So that means you're putting in Drew Brees instead of Aaron Rodgers. That's the argument. Some people are saying Brees actually had a better decade. I don't know, did he? They're very close numerically, very, very close. But I think Brees won in 10, and Rodgers won in 9. And I don't think Rodgers has won since, has he? I'll double-check that. Sorry, I might have the years wrong. No, I thought Rodgers had won a Super Bowl later. Right, they were right. Weren't they sort of back to back or right around the same time? Sorry, they they both won early, but they never really won again. Yeah, but Aaron Rodgers is widely considered the most talented player to ever play the position. Right, that's all we keep hearing. I don't know if he he's not the greatest quarterback, but he's the most talented to ever play the position. I, I mean, I I'm okay if Drew Brees is not in there. I'm okay if Drew Brees is in there. Yes, McLevin. Yeah, you're right. It's 2011 Aaron Rodgers. Okay. So, yeah, that's a tough one to take off. Yeah, Paul. Aaron Rodgers went to seven Pro Bowls in the past 10 years. Drew Brees went to nine. That said, Aaron Rodgers made two first-team All-Pros. Drew Brees had zero. It's close. It's a toss-up between those two. Yeah, McLovin. I can feel your hatred for List coming through this. Oh, yeah. Uh, look, we're we're off the 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 shock of uh, you know the best college basketball player of all time. So I need a little bit of space for my next list or you know declaration of best players for a decade. Like I, I, a little separation there because I I'm a little sensitive still. It hurts. It does. It hurts still a little bit where people. But I had a friend who goes, "Hey, Jordan, best college player of all time, right?" And I go, "Oh God, no." No, not. No. Well, who was better? And I go, how much time do you got it? At times, he wasn't even the best North Carolina player. Okay, I, I can't. I can't go back to this. Don't, don't trick me, McLovin. Don't you get me to. I was doing okay here. By the way, Fritzy's at home. McLovin's at home. Seaton's at home. Paulie right in front of me. Yes, Paulie. Going back to um, Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to factor in off the field, but if your off-field activities remove you from the field, then it's fair. Like Michael Irvin had off-field issues, but he always stayed on the field. He was employed by the Cowboys. His yeah. career stayed fine. Antonio Brown's off-field behavior took him off the field and removed him from the NFL. And, and you know, so you can make the, Terrell Owens. He was always showed up. You know, he was difficult. He had, he had problems with teammates. But he was always on the field. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how these voters separate that with was Terrell Owens a positive for he was he was both at times, positive and negative, but far more positive than negative. He was he was an unbelievable player. He really was I, I know that we sort of hold a grudge against him because of the way he acted or what he said about Donovan McNabb and you know, was he a great teammate? But man, did he he produced. And they're all the, all these wide receivers are selfish, so you can't say, well, he's not a great team player. I mean, Jerry Rice was selfish. Jerry Rice wanted his touches, like anybody else. 
You know? It's just Antonio Brown had it all going. And I still go back to that hit by Vontez Burfitt. And I still believe, and I have somebody who's with the Players Association who said they have reached out to try to help him because I said there's something else going on there. You know, you get full of yourself, uh, you think you're bigger than the sport, and then you realize the sport is moving on without you. Like, the NFL is so big and powerful, and there's so many new players. Like, you got three wide receivers going in the first round, maybe four, maybe five going in the first round. You know, out with the old, in with the new. C.D. Lamb, you're going to go, oh, my God. Henry Ruggs, you're going to go, oh, my God. I mean, that's what happens. And Antonio Brown probably got caught up in, I'm Antonio Brown. And then you realize nobody cares you're Antonio Brown, certainly with the way you're acting, what you're saying, and nobody wants to take it. He just hired a new agent. So he got rid of Drew Rosenhaus. Can you imagine that? <laughs> that agent coming in, trying to get meetings with teams, and you can't get in front of teams? Maybe he gets a chance. But I think the bigger issue is mentally, where is Antonio Brown? That's the big concern I have. But if you want to put him in the Hall of Fame, great. I'm, I'm waiting for the Antonio Brown-Julian Edelman conversation to uh, come up. <laughs> uh. Edelman more of a team player. Talk hey. about a guy who's going to disappear this year, though, huh? <laughs> yes, he is. Do you hear Julian Edelman's <laughs> name called once this year? Probably not. Well... Only when there was the April Fool's Day joke that he was going to Detroit and some uh, hosts bought into that. Like, hey, Edelman going to the Lions? Mm, no. They need all the weapons they can keep there for Jared Stidham. All right. Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW. Got a, are you going to stay with that poll question, McLovin? You're going to go with something else. When do you want to throw up the baseball poll? Uh, Seton mentioned the rule changes pre-show, and I'm dying to get into these. I can wait, but I'm very interested uh, when we get to do a poll on that, on which rule changes you want okay. in Major League Baseball. Well, Bob Nightingale is going to join us. But if you want to go, there, there's some of these things that I would, if I'm baseball, I would adopt these. I wouldn't use them, you know, in this situation where you go, we're going to have a 100-game ske uh, schedule se or season, and – you know, they're talking about electronic strike zone to allow the plate umpire to maintain sufficient distance between the catcher and the batter. No mound visits from the catcher or the pitching coach. I, I, sign me up. Seven inning double headers. Sign me up. I'm good with all of this. Regular use of on-field microphones by players as an added bonus for TV viewers. Sign me up. Great. Let's do I, it. I'm doing like all of these are great. I, I don't need to have a pandemic to use these and continue to use these. These are all great. If you want how about a 100 game season permanently? You have double headers where you actually get to stay for both games. They don't have a game and then they make you leave and then they bring in a new crowd. I think we're on to something here. 60-game NBA season, less is more, more exciting here. No mound visits from the catcher pitching coach? Yes! This is awesome. Yes, Todd. What do you think of Justin Turner's recent idea? After one extra inning, if it's still tied, go to a home run derby instead of an 11th inning. No, that's not good. 
<laughs> it's not. That's not good. Terrible. No, it's not good. I can't, I don't need to do that. I mean, that's gimmicky. If you want to have 100 games, if you want to have seven inning uh, double headers, uh, no mound visits, extra microphones, you're able to have a strike zone. Okay, people are going to go in the electronic strike zone. I'm all for the electronic strike zone. You have the umpire who's still there, got to call fair and foul, and you know if there's a play at the plate. Electronic strike zone, that's great. If you have the technology and you can do it the way tennis does it, okay. You, you adjust to the batter, okay. But if you want to get these calls right, if I want to remove the privileged attitude of umpires, in particular home plate umpires, it's a good way to do it because their personality is involved in their – they have their own strikes. I, like, I have my own strike zone. Oh, really? Yes. Like, who, who has a league where you go, oh, you have your own strike zone. Hey, I brought my own rules here. Oh, okay. Yes, McLovin. Would uh, that extra inning idea be similar to penalty kicks in soccer, which when you think about it, it's a bit gimmicky. You could do the same thing, a three-point shooting contest in the NBA. I, I, if you get to, let's say, if, if you're doing it, soccer has their extra time, and then they do PKs. So I, I, I'm okay. Look at me. You're crushing that. A little PK. A little PK. Well, I watched the Bundesliga a couple of weeks ago, so I'm pretty much oh. well. I just like saying, but <laughs> gracias. <laughs> All right, so we got our poll question. I, you know, last I've been watching so much TV, I forgot what I was watching last. I don't know what I watched last night, and uh, it took me two hours this morning to remember what I watched last night because I'm watching so much Netflix and Amazon, Hulu. And I finally figured out what I watched last night. You ready? Dave Chappelle being honored with the Mark Twain Award. It's good, right? Yeah, it is. It's good. Yeah. It's good. And to have all of those comedians get up and talk about, you know, his impact. The fact that Eddie Murphy said, hey, this is, he's the GOAT. That Dave Chappelle is the GOAT when it comes... His he's such a great like George Carlin to me was the best deep thinker comedian that I ever heard. Pryor was probably the best. Uh, I thought Chris Rock when he in his when he started out and he would just he would be prowling the stage like he was a lion, and I thought that he was brilliant too. But what Chappelle does is he has this brilliance of giving you a message, delivering a message, not afraid to give you a message, but also he can give you, you know, these iconic moments on Chappelle. When he did the KKK, when he, when he's, he's there in front of a KKK rally and the racial draft is, I mean, just their brilliant stuff. When he did the, uh, uh, Rick James, the Prince stuff, I mean, just those things alone are just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But he is such a, a thought-provoking comedian. And uh, watching that last night, it just reminded you that uh, how brilliant he is. Yes, Paul. Eddie Murphy's career always reminds me of, like, Ken Griffey Jr. The first half of it was first ballot, <laughs> Hall of Fame, 
no doubt, as entertaining, just took over at a young age. And they were both 19 when they started. And then their second half was good. It, it just doesn't match the first half. I always wonder about that when it comes to bands. Because you have somebody who gives you brilliance, and then, and then they stop. Like, what happens when you go, you can't write another hit? But you did have a window of five to seven years where you're killing it. You know, comedians, you have this window, and then all of a sudden, like Eddie Murphy, it's not that he stopped being funny, but he stopped being Eddie Murphy, if that makes sense. Yeah, Seton. Well, I think that there's a certain expectation of greatness. Like when you release that first album and it's great, or you do your first stand-up special and it's great, and the pressure to keep the bar that high must be really difficult, especially you know in those creative mediums. Um, but I know that sort of like with uh, bands, say they'll spend five years writing that first album in theory. And it'll hit, and then you have nine months to make the second one. Yeah, you know, and so you, you're not really given that same window. Yeah, you do get a lifetime to create your debut album. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, it happened with Hootie and the Blowfish, and and their their philosophy, their logic was they put out this album that sold 17 million, and they said, let's get our second one out quickly. So you get the second one out and get it out of the way. And I went, what kind of logic is that? But they put that second album out, and now it, it did pretty well. If that was their debut album, that probably sold, I don't know, five to seven million, maybe, something crazy like that. But it was considered a disappointment because the first album. Yeah, Seaton. You know what was really interesting about the Chappelle thing, too, is that they bring out uh, one of the speakers is the co-creator of That the guy, was the, he was the funniest guy of the night. Yeah, I really and he had thought, such a, a unique perspective on everything that's happened there. I thought he was the funniest guy on stage because he had the insight of creating Chappelle with Dave and just how crazy it is to work with Dave. And he's so random. He calls you up and what he's going to say to you on a Tuesday afternoon. And to walk away from it all, uh, oh right, as it was really hitting its height. He walked away for 12 years just up and went to Africa and then came back. Interesting cat, man. Really interesting. Uh, I just got this stat here. Oh, you know, I'll take a break. This has to do with Antonio Brown. NFL wide receivers with at least 59 touchdowns in a five-season span. We'll run down that list for you. Bob Nightingale, longtime baseball columnist for USA Today. What's he think of baseball trying to come back in May? And have everybody stay in Arizona. We'll talk to him about the good and the bad and maybe the ugly of that possibility. It's 19 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Discover's done it again. They have this great offer. Even if you're not a card member, you can check your credit score. And you need to check your credit score. It's called the FICO credit score, by the way. And it's used by 90% of top lenders. And it's free, even if you're not a customer. Checking your score is not going to hurt your credit, and you can check each month for any changes there. Discover makes it quick and easy. The Discover Credit Scorecard, it's free for everyone. You can learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Discover.com slash credit scorecard, and limitations do apply. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
Go to rockauto.com. All the parts your car or truck will ever need. Rockauto.com, a family business founded by automotive engineers in 1999. Two goals in mind. First, to give you direct access to all the parts information hidden in the computers and catalogs behind the parts store counter. I am uh, helping. Actually, I'm watching somebody rebuild a 1973 RS Porsche 911. And uh, it's fascinating. You know, he orders these parts, and I, you know, I told him about rockauto.com, which he was well aware of, but I'm watching him rebuild an engine, and then uh, I picked stone gray as the color Ooh. for my Porsche. Kind of a muted gray color? like a- it's, it's, an, it's a strange color, but it is gorgeous looking. So it's stone gray for this uh, 911 RS, and uh, thanks to rockauto.com. They helped me with the 1953 five-window Chevy pickup truck. I was looking for parts, couldn't find them, went to rockauto.com. And you don't waste time and money hunting for parts, phoning, driving, waiting in lines. Go to rockauto.com. Make sure you tell them that we sent you all the parts your car, truck, whatever you need, rockauto.com. Yes, Paul. I've got a 91 Land Cruiser, and there was a front metal, like a front chrome piece on the bumper that was just munchy and needed to come off. And I found it on there in two seconds. And it was like a small piece. Munchy. Like it was disgusting looking. Munchy. Yeah, all jacked up. By the way, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will reveal their new uniforms. I think they're just going to clean up their old uniforms with the numbers. And I, I, they're not going creamsicle yet, but I think eventually they will. Maybe that's in Brady's contract. Maybe we're wrong there, but if they go creamsicle, they're winning the Super Bowl. NFL wide receivers. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can come on board here. Jump on board the uh, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. NFL wide receivers with at least 59 touchdowns over a five-season span. Jerry Rice, Marvin Harrison, Terrell Owens, Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Lance Allworth, and Antonio Brown. You're looking at all Hall of Famers. Now, I know that the passing and receiving numbers are skewed a bit there. Maybe, I think Antonio Brown is border borderline, but I do think his personality will hurt him in this process. Not supposed to, at least according to the guidelines in which they vote, but I think uh, it'll hurt him in the process there. We'll talk to Bob Nightingale, USA Today baseball columnist. And some of the uh, the, the proposed uh, rule changes here, if they decide to do this season coming up, I, I love all the things that they're thinking of doing. The proposed baseball changes for Arizona, if they have this season coming up. Electronic strike zone, I'm okay with that. No mound visits from the catcher or pitching coach, I'm all in favor. Seven-inning double headers. I'm all in favor. Regular use of on-field microphones by players as an added bonus for TV viewers. I'm all in favor of that. Let's bring in Bob Nightingale, covers the sport. What do you think of these proposals? Well, I just don't see it happening, Dan. First of all, there's no way they're going to play in a plastic bubble in Arizona. It just doesn't make sense. You can't protect the safety of of all the players under one roof and everything else, uh, staying in hotels. Uh, some, of the, you know, some of those rule changes have been discussed, but I think they can happen at any time. I think even if a uh, we have a season with fans, you know, later in the summer, I, I could see some that taking effect. But why are they putting this out here, Bob? Then, if you don't think that this is really possible, why are they floating these ideas? I think we just floated like, okay, if we get the health thing worked out, if all of a sudden magically. We have testing. We can test on the spot and get results. Uh, but there's no way in the world baseball is going to do this when the public doesn't even have it. Baseball would get crucified. 
just the logistics the, the, of everyone playing in Arizona, 30 teams in Arizona, and are they isolated from their families? Yeah, which is a big drawback. So <laughs> how many guys with families are going to say, okay, I'll see you later. I'm going to be gone for the next four and a half months. Sorry, I know you're pregnant, but I'll, I'll miss the baby and things like that. And you're taking reduced pay. Hey, when there's no games without fans, these players aren't going to be paid 100%. They're going to have to take a, a big pay cut, too, just like the owners are. So all kinds of problems. What are the other options here, Bob? Well, the big thing is uh, kind of sit back and wait. I think they've, uh, they've talked about some radical stuff, Dan, where you almost feel like an NCAA tournament and now brackets. But, you know, say you start the season in September, play through uh, until Thanksgiving, kind of a very short regular season and maybe just a, a wild type of uh, NCAA, you know, November Madness type thing for baseball. But they're, uh, they're looking to play some kind of games, get some of the revenue back, at least do something. But they're certainly not going to rush into this. But you also have Scott Boris, which I understand why he's putting this out. Let's play baseball until after Christmas. How do people react? To, okay, that's how they reacted. They laughed, uh, which I said, no, that's crazy. But he's trying to get his, you know, people paid. Right, right. And that's the thing, yeah. It's like, you know, hey, he's got a big overhead. And, you know, all these agents aren't getting paid either. Uh, the players got bills. Everybody wants to get their money, but that money is not going to come. It's certainly not going to come at 100%. Uh, you know, the owners are saying the uh, revenue just from – uh, the ballpark concessions, parking, and all that is about you know thirty five percent. You know, as explained to me, if you're if you're New York, New York Mets and you're playing uh, games in uh, in Phoenix, how are you going to sell advertising rights to City Field oh, and that sort of thing? So a lot a lot of money just won't be coming in. And uh, you know, if you're a player, do you really want to take a huge pay cut and play in one hundred ten degree heat in Arizona? without your families going around and you're not, you're not even allowed to go out because all the bars and restaurants are closed. You're buzzkill Bob today. I thought maybe <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was promising hope on today's show. <laughs> well, the, the thing is that, you know, they really want to get going. I mean, the, the, the union wants to get play. The owners want to play and everybody else, but it's just like, you know, let's don't, you know, four speed this thing. Let's take some time. Uh, you know, I don't know how all these other events are getting canceled, and baseball says, oh, we, we're the only sport that's going to have the magical cure and the testing and, and everything else. Uh, you know, you already have government officials in Arizona popping off and saying, wait a minute, now we don't have these tests for our own people that live here. Yeah. And we're going to give them for athletes that come from all around the world and give them special treatment. You know, what concerns me is these commissioners who keep putting out these timelines and, and it's just, I don't, it's not dangerous, but it's false hope there where you said, hey, maybe if we have baseball in May and we have a two week spring training and then we, I, I thought Adam Silver did the right thing, the NBA commissioner. He said, look, I'm not going to give you any time frame the rest of this month. Let's reassess when we get to May. It feels like baseball is, is trying too hard to make this work instead of letting it come to them. They're trying to go after this and you can't. No, you can't. And I think, you know, seven was that big, you know, pep talk with the, uh, Donald Trump the other day with all the commissioners. And, okay, hey, I love sports. Let's do everything possible. We're behind you. Whatever you guys can do to help out, uh, you know, the entertainment business and all that. So I think part of it's from that. But I agree with you. I think Adam Silver 
you know, was perfect when he said, you know, don't even talk to me. We don't even know what's going on, you know, until May, uh, un- until then. So it's just way too, <laughs> way too much of a rush to say May. I mean, I don't, I don't see how that's possible. And also how you're going to manage your pitching staff. If it's a 100-game schedule season, let's just – Let's just say it is. Are you going to be able to add more players to the roster? I think there's a lot of questions that are left to be answered. If if we do play baseball, what's it look like with your roster? Um, you know, if, if we do these double headers, you know, having a, the amount of pitchers, are you going to be able to add a couple of pitchers here? What are your thoughts on that? I think they'll definitely add three guys, Dan. So instead of a 26-man roster, it's 26 year this year instead of the usual 25, go to 29, 30 maximum. But you're right. You're going to need more pitchers just like we did in uh, after 94-95 work stoppage and do that. That's I'm not sure. Seven innings, you know, makes sense to help out pitchers. But, you know, baseball is so big on the, you know, history and record books and everything yeah. else. All of a sudden, we see all these complete games and no hitters. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute now. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, you're, you're changing everything. Yeah. Who would be the overwhelming favorite? Who would be the favorite to win it all this year if we do play baseball? Uh, my pick before this all came about was it was the Dodgers over the Oakland A's. I think the Dodgers are loaded. Mm-hmm. I love that Mookie Betts trade. I think David Price going from the ALEs to the Dodger Stave and pitching uh, in, in that division off ballpark, you know, he could be a Cy Young guy again. So I, I thought they were the uh, big time favorites. And I will say this layoff, though, you know, even though I thought I was going to crush the Houston Astros with everything that they go through on the road, when baseball comes back, I don't know how much, you know, fans are going to jump all over the Astros. It's like, with all we, we've gone through, are we really going to boo these guys? Do we really care that much about baseball cheating in light of what the, what's going on with the rest of the world? So I think it actually favors the – I think it's a break for the Astros because people aren't going to uh, give them such a hard time. And now you get Justin Verlander should be healthy by the time this thing resets, if it does. Good stuff, Bob. Hope you're safe, and uh, we appreciate your time, even though you were a buzzkill today. <laughs> My pleasure as always. Good talking, Dan. <laughs> That's Bob Nightingale, USA Today baseball columnist. Yeah, you know, I'm watching the mothership this morning. Jeff Passon is on there, and he's got a smile on his face. And I go, wait, he's smiling. He's Mr. Upbeat. Remember the Enzite guy? Always had a smile on his face. That's Jeff Passan. Like, he's always got a smile on his face. They're baseball, great baseball insider. And I, I'm watching him, and I'm going, okay. He's, he's telling Greeny that, you know, hey, this could, yeah, what about, yeah, we can do this. And I go, wait, we can do this? I don't think we can do this. I got, I got some problems with this. But you do have the ballparks, you do have the proximity, but you basically have to isolate all of these baseball players in hotels in Phoenix and Scottsdale, uh, rental homes, cond- I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, McLevin, crazy. I was, I was wondering, I know you guys know Scottsdale well. It seems like a very hard place socially to isolate. <laughs> you don't want to isolate in Scottsdale. In, in the summer, you do, but, you know, when it comes to February, March, April, it's a nice place to be. You, you would like to be out and about. Plus, are fans going to sneak out? If you go to these ballparks, it's not like they're huge stadiums where you can't see in. And if you're a fan, who's like, are you going to go to these games? Can you be on the outside looking in, even though you're not going to be allowed? I don't think this is happening. I like that we 
that we're being creative here, but I also think we're being reckless with the creativity here. Because now you're going to have people go, hey, I'm, you know what I'm hearing? I like when people who don't do this for a living, they're hearing things. You know what I'm hearing? 100-game schedule, seven-inning doubleheaders. That's what I'm hearing. Oh, you are? All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, Paul. McLovin's right. That, that Scottsdale lifestyle is pretty good. I moved out there in the 90s, and my first job in Scottsdale was a beer vendor at Scottsdale Stadium for the San Francisco Giants. Beer here! And it was the strike season. So it was all strike players. It wasn't even like the real good players, but it was, it was a lot of fun to be a beer vendor. A couple of phone calls in here. Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Dan in North Carolina, been on hold for a while. Dan, how are you? Yeah, hey, how are you doing, Dad? 510-150. Now, when I first heard you guys were moving to YouTube, I was really excited because now I can see your draft coverage. And now, thanks to the quarantine, you have practice doing it from remote loca- locations. And that's the draft party I want to be a part of. <laughs> well, thank you, Dan. <laughs> Somebody actually wants to be part. Should we do a draft party? Should we do draft coverage? Like Thursday night of the, you know, the first round, and people can watch us watch the draft. <laughs> Is it okay if it's drafts at the draft still? Yes. Okay. And, and we can drink. I'm in. Okay. We'll have drafts watching the draft. And then we'll have social commentary. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> yes, McLovin. Can I say a bunch of things like a gap and three techniques yes, and like can. all those things? Yeah. Yes. yes. Oily, I don't know what any of them mean. <laughs> oily hips, waist bender. I call oily hips. It's real twitchy. Yeah, twitchy guy. But we don't have Mayock. Like Mayock always had one of those. Maybe well, he'll be busy on draft night. He's more gonna... quick than fast, Dan, that guy. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Waist bender. Uh, I'm 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 assuming everybody's a waist bender. I I unless you know you're Simone Biles and you can do something different. You're a contortionist, but I I think if you're a waist bender, we're all waist benders. Yes, Eaton. Some of us don't bend at the waist like we used to. <laughs> no, though. but if we're bending a little more, <laughs> if, if we are bending, it would be from the waist. I'm guessing. <laughs> But I, I don't know. Yeah, McLovin. I like the guys, the uh, offensive linemen with short arms who have dinosaur arms. <laughs> I know. <laughs> towards Rex <laughs> arms. Uh, but this is like you're, you're in your little club and, and you use these things because you're inside. And yeah, you're not, you're not a guy. You don't know what this terminology. This is what we say to one another. I like its code, and it's you got your little secret club there, and you got, you know, he puts his, uh, wait, what's his, his uh, hand in the dirt. That was uh, a, remember that? Oh, he's a guy who puts his hand in the dirt. And I go. I don't. I don't know if it's dirt unless it's Oakland Coliseum. <laughs> it's his grass or hazard. Yeah, he puts his hand in the dirt. I don't know what that means. And it, and it's a gap, not a gap. <laughs> yep. You know what? Uh, he, <laughs> he plays that a gap. Wait. The guy really hits the UGG app. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's when they know that you're <laughs> fake. You know, I was watching this guy. That's and Dominican Sue and that UGG app. He's really good. Yeah, Paul. I like. I hear him say three technique, and I just. I mean, I'm home, and I just nod my head, and, <laughs> and I think I know what it means, but I don't really know what it means. <laughs> yeah, McLaughlin. Isn't there a five technique too? Is that like a five tool oh. player, like oh. Dodger star Sean Green, like a really awesome player? Five technique. <laughs> it's a five tool player. 
Right, but there's also something called a five technique, which is a position like a three technique. JJ Watts a six technique. Try that on precise. Yeah, take that. And figures you're going to pick out the Jewish ball player Sean Green, McLovin. Well, you mentioned Vin Scully. Whenever Sean Green would come to bat, he would go through every Jewish player in the league. It was the best thing ever. He's like, well, then there's Astros catcher Brad Ausmus. And then we got uh, Mike Lieberthal. And Rod Carew. David Eckstein, not a Jew. (laughs) All right, we'll take a break here. More phone calls coming up. And we're back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. saw this in the New York Post today. Andrew Marshawn, he covers media, sports media, for uh, the New York Post. And he was talking about sort of the fallback plan for ESPN for Monday Night Football. They were going all in on Romo, and they were going all in on Drew Brees. And uh, they whiffed on both of them. And it doesn't feel like Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane will be back. At least I don't think. Feels like they were looking at Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet for Monday night. And the other possibility, and Paulie and I discussed this maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, where he said, you know, Steve Levy would be great for Monday night. Very comfortable, good college football guy. Well, he's, you know, very versatile in play-by-play. And you put in Dan Orlovsky, whose star has risen dramatically at the mothership. And then you put in Lewis Riddick. A former defensive back also worked for a front office for an NFL team. And maybe that's your Monday night team. My only concern if you do this, and I don't even know if I call it a concern, what ESPN is doing on Monday night, but just as a viewer, if Drew Brees, I think this is Drew Brees' last year. And he's got an open invitation to join Fox, NBC, and ESPN from what I've read. You don't want to start something and then all of a sudden you got to blow it up again. That'd be my only concern with that. But if you said Dan Orlovsky, Lewis Riddick, and Steve Levy were doing Monday Night Football, I'm fine with that. I'm okay. It's ESPN has overthought this for 20 years. If you have good games, that's the most important part of this. Having good games, surrounding it, and I think they surround Monday Night Football really well. The lead-in... The coverage, you know, pregame, I think they do a really good job with that. I just think that they've they've had some, you know, hiccups when it comes to the broadcast. And, you know, Joe and Booger, they got roughed up on Twitter. And these networks react to Twitter. And if you're going to put some people in there, Orlovsky is very bright, not afraid to say something. Lewis Riddick, very bright. Levy is a comfortable listen. And maybe that's the new team, but... Philip Rivers is going to, he'll be available to do this in, in one year. And I think Philip Rivers could be really good. And Drew Brees is going to be available. And then who knows? You know, somebody else down the road, you're going to go, oh, I didn't know that that guy was going to be good. We didn't know Tony Romo was going to be this good. Nobody did. Except for, I, I will say, Rich Eisen was telling me about Romo's audition. And, and 
I don't know if he saw it or heard it, but he got wind of it. And he said, hey, Romo killed it. I go, really? He goes, he killed it. He was great. I go, wow. It's, it's like uh, Sterling Sharp never said anything to media. And that's one of the smartest football people I've ever been around. And I've been around a lot of football people. He's bright. And he was, you know, effervescent, loquacious. I mean, he, you couldn't get him to shut up. Uh, you know, his brother, we knew that Shannon loved to talk, but Sterling didn't talk. But, you know, you just never know with these guys. And some guys you think are going to be good, and they're not good. And some guys you go, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, is uh, Jay Cutler going to be good? Like, I still don't know if Jay Cutler's good. He's really good on Barry Caballeri. If, if he was like that on a broadcast, and you put her in there too, that would be great. He's entertaining, but is he good? Yeah, I don't know, but right. God, I couldn't imagine being married to him. He does. I don't know how he got this far in life. <laughs> I, I, I think he's a really bright guy. He's got a great arm, but I don't think he wants to do anything. He wakes up and goes, how can I not do anything today? <laughs> Doesn't that sound kind of great, though? <laughs> it does. Like, I mean, it, I feel like that's supposed to be a knock on him, but it actually makes me like him more. I'm like, yeah, dude, I get it. For sure. I think they're stuck, in quotations, in the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. he and his wife and another couple or a couple other people have been in the Bahamas for about 32 days at this resort, and they're not allowed to leave or they don't want to leave. <laughs> it's hard to tell. Like, sorry, can't get out. Yeah. Just got it. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, by the way, Danimation, we have Seton getting the uh, pie, uh, the number of pie <laughs> when he lost the <laughs> – have you seen the cartoon – Seaton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. great. So we have Danimation, uh, and, and so we just started this with some of the iconic moments there, and you can go to the website. Mario's done a great job, a good job, in uh, helping with the Danimation. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, good. But, uh, yeah, Seaton getting the pie to the face. I remember you guys were so, like, let down that that was what happened with the Wheel of Punishment, that Seaton had to get five pies randomly – and it turned out to be one of our great Wheel of Punishments. Yeah, Paul. I remember that specifically because Fritzy had the choice to give Seaton the punishment, and it was either the Friar Tuck haircut that I think <laughs> Tim Tebow had at training camp or the five pies in the face, and I was very upset because I was like, Seaton's <laughs> got the best hair on the show on this side of the glass. I was yeah. like, for him to do the Friar Tuck haircut is hardcore, and it actually worked out great. Oh, God. And then- I'll never forget, though, coming out of the box – um, that's when we used to still do the box and that I had kind of forgotten about the bet and all of a sudden you smashed me oh. right in the face with a pie and I was like whoa we're doing this yeah. this is crazy I know it kind of put me on edge for the next I don't know how long like month or two but that's where what, every time I turned a corner that was what was great is you never knew yeah and and I think there were five pies that you could get <laughs> And I blasted you with one. And then you came out of the bathroom one day. I would have the yeah. boys in the back go out and get, like Alan, the IT guy, Alan would go out and get pie crust, whipped cream, and throw it all together. And they'd make it in the back. And i go, all right, I'm going to blast Seton here. And then J.J. So Watt paid it off at the Super Bowl. Yeah, Paul. If you remember, Watt was in the back room. I think it was at the San Francisco Super Bowl. And he just had surgery, like stomach surgery. And we're like, we have a bit for you. He goes, I can't do anything physical, like block you or tackle you. Like We're like, no, you're going to smash this guy in the face with a pie. He goes, oh, I'll do that. Yeah. And Seton came outside because I was trying to set him up. I said, come on, we'll go outside. So in between commercial breaks, we went outside, and J.J. Watt was right behind the door and blasted Seton. <laughs> that was great. Awesome. 
Final hour coming up. The Blazers' Damian Lillard will join us on the program.